Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Broken Shovel Podcast, homesteading for a sustainable future. My name is Lucas, and as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Eric. Hey Eric, how's things today? Things are well. We have a we have a nice day today, which is very different from our last recording day. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nice. It's been uh, I've had some sort of uh, light flurries up here most of the day. So. Oh, see, it's all burned off here, and I got I, I I have my of course my curtains closed because of the glare I get from my camera. But right. looking through the little slit, I've got a pretty pretty blue sky down here. Oh no, it's it's gray and snowing in Verscher. Uh <laughs> Well, um, while we do very often talk about the weather today, we are talking about forestry, logging, Jeez. and sustainability in Vermont. Um, so the the four we'll start off uh, in lieu of a definition. We're going to kind of talk about uh, because we know what logging is. Uh, the forestry industry in Vermont uh, as an economic driver, which contributes over 2.1 billion annually to the state's economy and supports uh, around 14,000 jobs. The direct economic output of the forestry industry encompassing forest products, maple syrup, and Christmas trees is estimated at 1.4 billion. The, this direct output generates indirect economic activity in sectors such as transportation, manufacturing, and retail, bringing the, which brings us to the total of $2.1 billion. Um, it's a pretty, pretty major part of um, uh, the rural economy, providing employment and income in many communities. Uh, about 6,600 people are directly employed in the forest products, ma maple and Christmas tree sectors, and their efforts generate uh, $861 million in annual sales. Uh, so this is very concentrated in rural areas uh, where it's kind of very often a cornerstone of the local economy. Uh, so this is, you know, we're talking about the folks that chop up firewood for you. That kind yep. of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a valuable asset to Vermont's economy and environment. Um, and Vermont is trying to maintain the sustainability within the forestry, you know, because this is a long term benefit for Vermont to have trees to process. <laughs> um, and that's kind of where we start ending up. Uh, talking about those practices and I know Eric you did a lot of research on that yes I did which and I found my 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 term of the week of the the Saudi culture where where did you there you, you had to find the better yeah silviculture because I'm gonna I'm mispronouncing it because I watched because we watched the show that has a name that's very close to this well, but, uh, you know, I was raised to to never make fun of somebody for mispronouncing a word because it likely means that they they learned it from reading it instead yes. of hearing it. So, and, and if that's the case, you were reading, and that's that's good. Yes. So, so it's, but, yeah. So, silviculture is the uh, is Latin with a silva silva being forest, culture being growth. So it's. The uh, silviculture is forest growth is is the term used for forest growth management. Okay. And so, oh, sorry, I thought I had a question, but I don't. Oh, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's, I mean, there's 
there are very few practices of forest harvest management that I personally agree with. I think all methods are just justifications for different ways of harvesting as much material from the forest as possible for the highest economic gain. Mm -hmm. And, and like I like clear cutting, which is the one, like one of the clear cutting and deforestation, which are the two, two worst ones, uh, which cause, cause clear cutting basically cuts down everything, but then leaves the land to regrow. Um, whereas deforestation is, cutting all the trees down and then with the intention of repurposing the land for other uses, ag, residential, commercial buildings. No bueno. No bueno. Uh, yeah. So the, the, largely this practice is, is not in use in the state of Vermont any longer. It is not in use in the state of Vermont any longer, but it's, there's, there's a, there are loopholes that allow for it because I know I, I've seen spots and no spots that have had uh, either uh, what they would what the logging industry would call like shelter wood cutting, which is uh, only cutting growth of a certain species uh, to mm -hmm. make it so only only certain age groups are alive in that stand um, or uh, the uh, or the uh, selection cutting, which is the just cutting of only certain species, or or only pulling out the high value wood from a from an area, or to only cut out the shade uh, trees that produce a lot of shade to promote the growth of trees that don't that don't like heavy shade, versus uh, only cutting to make small gaps for more shade-driven trees to be grown. So would that be more like the selective cutting practice that mimics mimics natural uh, disturbances? Would you say? Yeah, like, yeah, the, it's, yeah. The single it's that one's going to be that single single or single selection c cutting, which is yeah, only taking like individual trees in areas and not and very very selectively taking and leaving most of the trees there. Okay, so that that would that's so trees can regenerate and exactly. sort of Re regenerate. Yep, disturbing as much of the forest. That exactly. Yep. Okay. Yep. Which is that is that is a very that is a practice that you do not do, I don't see in this region a lot. I see more um, the canopy cutting back where they're just basically cutting. They're leaving like one in every ten trees standing. Okay. Yeah, this is more like what I'm hoping in my tree planting uh, on on my land is just to have uh, things that can come down and, and there's still other trees behind it. And, you know, it's yep, and, then, you, and you also have a plan of, a, of, of a one for one planting, if not one for five planting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we plant, you know, a couple dozen trees every year. So it's, uh, we, yeah, so, yeah. we haven't cut any of them down yet. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the kind of practice that I, I do, I am for, cause you are, you're putting more back in than you're taking out. And then like another one of the practices they call is like is seed tree only, um, which is 
taking everything out except for specific trees that will produce seeds of the desired species that they wow. want to then reproduce in that area. Very, gotcha. lot of, that's done with a pine, more so with pine than others. Like a lot of spruce, they do that with. Okay. Which is what you'll notice. Like they'll take a whole area down, but they'll leave just this one massive pine tree. And it's like, no, because they want that one pine tree to repopulate that whole area. So then they can go back in in 50, 60 years and whack it all down again. Okay. And sometimes well, that... they'll even go back in once the new the new colony is established and they'll take down the one that, that they left there as well. Is that an exaggeration that they leave one tree or is it back? Is it, are you sort of, you know, is this more the one in 10 that you were talking about? It's practice? more the one, more the one in one in 10 to one in tw 20, but it's very much like you'll see areas where it's like, wow, that's like, that looks more like a field now than an actual like forest. Right. 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 Gotcha. Okay. Um, so what other, what other practices are we seeing? That's pretty much all of them. Okay. And then there's so, and then the one I there's one practice I do semi agree with but don't entirely agree with which is considered a uh, natural cutting which is taking trees that uh in a pattern that would mimic natural trees falling and dying off which I like but I also don't like cuz you're still taking away uh forest material out of the forest because deadwood is a it is a massive ecological habitat for insect uh small critters and other species to flourish well and as a mushroom hunter uh deadfall is uh very important to a lot a lot of species of mushrooms even yes. the non-edibles uh you know, an important part of the ecosystem yep. uh, that we talk about all the time, mushrooms. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I have mixed feelings on deadfall because, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, uh, I would, I would harvest deadfall before I cut down a tree. Yep. That's, you know, but, you know, just because it's easier, <clears throat> I guess, is the answer. Yep. But uh, I don't... I don't I don't really see that much of it in use. Uh right? Like it's just it's an idea, mm -hmm. but from a practical point of view, we don't have good equipment for doing that. You know, yeah. if I walked into the forest along my property and found one tree that had just fallen and I were to pull that out, uh and not even the whole thing, it's a pretty minor impact on the yep. on the forest floor there. But I get your point, and I know in a lot of uh, at a lot of points in history in this country, when people were traveling, they and they would set up camp for a winter or something like that. Deadfall would be one of the primary things that they would pull because of time. Uh, yep. So it's, yeah, because they you know, don't have because that back then they did not have they didn't have time to season or dry out the wood, so they needed to only pull stuff that would burn well. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's obviously forestry is just mired in sort of controversy. You know, we it look is. at the we look at the Amazon rainforest and and that was not always for the wood. That was 
you know, clear cutting for cattle, uh, cattle, and, the, and then now huge and, beef industry, and uh, now that now it's for and now it's being cleared for the palm industry, right? Um, yeah, it's. Uh, but when we're talking about those numbers at the beginning and what a critical role it plays in Vermont uh, mm -hmm. as far as employment and things like that. Yeah, well, one of the big you, things is is it's heating fuel. Yeah, well, and because between yeah, between God, uh, like we said earlier, the uh, the guy in your neighborhood that sells cords of wood to the uh, the booming and continuing to grow uh, wood chip industry and wood pellet industry. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't either. I have my, I, I think we are, we're basically trading one evil for another evil because they're, they're promoting it because it, it uses, it can use more, um, more creosole heavy woods in the, in the pellets. So mm -hmm. more pine can be used in it over the hardwoods that, like me or you need to for our fireplaces. Right. Uh, and the, you know, I did have pellet heat and I understand why people move away from it. Like if they just can't physically do what needs to be done to carry firewood around. If you're just, you know, if you're I mean, disabled, I, elderly, something like that, I totally get it. Yeah. My um, great, we, 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 so this always brings me back to my grandfather. I mean, my grandfather, we, we, we helped him with the wood. Like we helped him stack it and whatnot. Yep. We had this special cart. So he could, up until he died at 92, uh, he would load up his cart, would have these like big bike tires on it uh, and a handle and a nice little cradle and would be able to take it and carry his wood down into the basement with this because he also had a very nice finished basement and only like a half flight of stairs to get in, get down there. And yeah, he would bring all of his own wood in and stack it up himself up until he was 92 years old. Well, and there's also a very large amount of laziness why people just go with pellets, you know, it's yes, easy to get. Too. Uh, yeah, but it's also know. like you're, you're hauling a 50 pound bag versus a couple armloads of wood would a couple times a day or like my grandfather did he'd load up for about almost a week's worth when he did it yeah i do it daily i will fill up a just a like a three and a half cubic foot wheelbarrow uh park it by the door carry everything in to set it up by the fireplace it's pretty much every day depending on the weather and yep. I, if we have a big storm coming or something like that we'll we'll put a like two or three days worth in but yep largely it's it's whatever that's just a daily chore um, yep. yeah, my that's a, largest yep. problem was the amount of plastic mm, yep. you know so uh what it's a it's what is it 50 40 pound bags or is it 40 50 pound bags on a ton uh um, boo, 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 boo. i can't i can't remember which but still it's a lot of bags of pal of plastic yeah, on a pallet 40 or 50 pallet is wrapped in two layers of plat very thick plastic yes because uh, because it, it's typically stored outside and you do not want any moisture getting into that yeah so you know that was my number one problem but also in recent years there's been some controversy around where the wood was actually coming from and versus what the companies were saying where it was coming from yeah because so, they uh, uh they the companies claim it, they are using mainly canopy growth and the quote-unquote dregs of logging 
to yes. make these pellets, but then they're finding out that no, they're actually using the whole tree to make these pellets. And the worst part was actually they 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 did some uh, some investigative research um, into one company. I think it was down in Georgia that said, oh, yep, we're only using canopy growth, basically the the excess that came from other logging operations. Well, they yeah. followed one of the logging trucks and they were using the entire tree for their pellets. And even better, it was then also then in turn getting shipped to Europe. Well, and yeah, it's just the carbon footprint of the whole process is. Mm-hmm. I'd, lo- I'd love to see a side-by-side comparison of uh, the wood fire you know, I I buy from the next town over. He drives it over to me. It's yep. a ten minute drive. Uh, he's got his equipment set up in his backyard. Uh, you know, that's I, I, and then you know the burning of the wood is considered carbon neutral. I you know so there's no plastic, there's no pallets, there's no eighteen wheelers involved. There's none of these things are involved in me locally sourcing my wood. Yep. Uh, so I I, I felt better making that switch and doing more work um the problem is that so many people don't want to do more work and and it's driving the popularity of the pellet stove industry maintenance is easier everything is cheaper i would disagree on the maintenance on on those i've i've heard a lot of horror stories on uh people going weeks without uh heat because they apart a certain part in the in the unit broke and they couldn't get a replacement part for weeks yes yeah that is that is a thing um i guess maybe my own personal experience is speaking a little too much in the pellet stuff because i worked on heaters for so many years uh that i could figure out how to make things i could when mine did break and i was waiting on a part uh, it was really easy for me to kind of bypass something to make it work because uh, of my previous experiences with heaters. Yep. So I, I just was like, okay, yeah, I got to wait two weeks, but eh. <laughs> yep. I'm good. You know, by, by, bypass the safety feature, you're yep. okay. Uh, <laughs> but I think we've gotten a bit off track. Um, yeah, uh, with back to uh, back to prote- uh, protections and conservation efforts in in vermont yeah and you know so there's you know six major principles and um we're going to wrap up on one of those and talk about it a little bit more in depth but you know the 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 ways to promote the long-term forest sustainability a lot of which we've already talked about like harvesting practices which eric shared with us uh forest management planning uh which those two really go hand in hand Mm -hmm. um promoting forest products and ecosystem services. Uh, So sustainable forestry recognizes the value of forests um, if uh, they recognize the value beyond that. Um, You know, they can, uh, you know, use forest products for things like maple syrup and firewood uh, while promoting ecosystem services like clean air, water filtration (laughs) and wildlife habitats. You know, you can make money out of these trees and really do no damage at all um community engagement blah 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 and uh you know monitoring and and adapting and changing our practices and and not being set in our ways uh but one of the main ways uh you know the sustainability of these forests they try to work hand in hand is uh forest health and you know when we see and we're going to talk a little bit 
about um, the emerald ash borer again, which comes up a lot, uh, EAB. Uh, it's a big problem in Vermont. Um, and forestry regulations and logging and all of these things, they, they, they're right there on the front lines to identify these issues, uh, to identify infestations and to help track the spread. Uh, but yeah, tree removal and replacement, uh, can can really go a long way there, um, you know, just removing and replacing ash trees that are severely infested or pose a hazard to public safety, you know, say along a roadside, uh, which are really the only ones that we cut down in our town, um, yeah. and just helping with the research and development. Now, before the show, we were talking about this, and Eric, you brought up a really interesting point about how they handle this. Like, they might go into an area, identify the emerald ash borer, and they could just cut down all the ash trees. Yep. But but there's seen, other ones. Uh, I've I I would say I've seen slash heard of uh, foresters going in and saying the only way to save the stand is to take everything out. Right. And I'm I'm curious what the thinking is behind that because the, the oh it's an it's an economic forest. it's not it's it, it at that point it is a it is a foresters excuse justification yeah ju exactly justification to get the the most economic uh money out of that as quickly as possible with and using the oh we'll save the rest of the forest by taking down this acre Okay, so I guess I'm I, I I'm sort of looking at this through rose colored glasses then and thinking that everybody is uh good and nice and kind yes, to the forest. And, and <laughs> I, I, I wish that, but I also we, we live in a capitalistic society and there are they, they there are there are people out there trying to find loopholes and excuses to pull as much wood as physically and legally possible to pull out without breaking the law to make as much money as possible. Yeah. It's just the problem, you know, and the, we talk about just like not having trees, right. But we're, mm -hmm. the, the, the long-term fallout from something like that is our water quality goes down, soil erosion increases. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it doesn't, it, uh, if there's trees, we can mitigate climate change to a certain degree. Yep, uh, um, not, we already talked. I mean, we talked about this in the hunting episode of the species loss, the habitat loss, and the yeah, the uh, environmental losses that we are still seeing today. Yeah, and we lose a lot of like these, you know, the recreation income. Uh, mm -hmm. that you can have in some of these areas, even just simple hiking paths like like we have here in, in Vermont, uh, you know, yep. just the. Which that's a, that's something Vermont's done a lot of work on doing uh, very much in the uh, 30s. Uh, we very much we, we, we heavily drew on the uh, the post-depression civilian conservation corps to mm -hmm. build all of our hiking trails. A lot of uh, ponds, tarns, camps, trails, uh, park, state parks, and forests were all brought about by the conservation corps from in the uh, thirty, the twenties and thirties. Under Roosevelt, yeah. Yep, under Roosevelt. Um, which also, uh, so a little factoid I found from 
just before the civilian conservation corps uh uh this area like specifically our area due to the heavy deforestation due to the three copper mines we had here mm-hmm. uh there uh, there was very much attempts to bring uh spruce species back in which you'll notice a lot of the stands of spruce trees are very very uniform and that's well there's a reason for that it's because they were all planted um but funnily enough uh there was uh eight thousand spruce trees uh ordered from uh from europe to be planted right here in downer forest here in sharon and uh they were put on a boat in 1912 and ironically enough, that boat was the uh, Titanic. Oh no! <laughs> so yeah, we had eight thousand spruce trees that we that Vermont had ordered to be planted here in here in uh, Sharon that were lost on the Titanic. Oh, well, I hope they at least got a partial refund. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, this is a quality of life issue too. Uh, is something to really understand that mm-hmm. you know, you know it just tree hugger jokes aside but this is this is a quality of life issue uh it's not only environmental health but our own health Mm -hmm. to have these things around us um i've lived all over the country and places you know in cities that did not have many trees like baltimore at the time of me living there and then uh portland oregon which did uh, very much have lots of trees and lots of parks and you know things were were treated very differently so it's just uh you know there's a certain quality of life that i i we need to make sure that we have these trees here and yep. that through sustainable forestry practices and logging practices you know we can continue to have trees to uh you know uh, feed 2.1 billion dollars into our economy but also enjoy <clears throat> yeah so anyway <laughs> uh have we missed anything here Aaron? uh uh we want to talk our conservation some some quick conservation numbers sure yeah yeah so, hear those. so vermont has we have an estimated 4.5 million acres of forest mm-hmm. uh the state has 1.3 million acres uh conserved uh mm-hmm. with another uh just shy of half a million uh, being conserved by the Vermont Land Trust. So we have about 1.5 uh, million acres in Vermont that is in conservation, which is uh, very minimal logging done on, uh, doesn't get touched by much of anything. Um, we should post the uh, link to the, the map that I put in the, uh, in the yes. in there, which is the map of the conservation goals of what we want what Vermont's goals are between uh, by 2030, we want to have 30% of all land in conservation. And then uh, by 2050, we want 50% of all land uh, put into uh, some sort of conservation. Right on. Yeah, there's some uh, land trust uh, right right across my road. I really got to drag you into the woods up here one of these days, Eric, because which sounds like I'm going to murder you, but I'm not. Um, but I think you the, got, uh, we are spackled. We are in a we are in a great area for um, for conservation because there's just there's a lot of the between the Upper Valley Land Trust, the Vermont Land Trust, uh, 
Oh crap! What was the uh, what's the other one? Upper Valley Trails Association also does some right. conservation efforts. Uh, so we have a lot of conservation being done just locally in our area. Now I do know that through the Vermont Land Trust, I believe I believe it's them. Uh, you can get a permit to go get a Christmas tree. Yes, Vermont Land right. Trust, uh, Vermont Fishing, uh, Vermont Fish and Wildlife. You can, uh, you are legally allowed to harvest one tree from state land. Yeah, right on. Well, uh, any more little tidbits for us there, bud? Yes, uh, one, one more because I found this factoid while doing my going through the uh, the history of Vermont conservation efforts. Uh, in and this goes back to our hunting episode and things being uh, reintroduced. Uh, fishers were reintroduced in 1958 to help uh, fight the growing porcupine population. Yeah, okay. Uh, Which fishers were a that... native, and it's going well. I mean, we got we have fishers and we have porcupines, but we don't see yeah. a lot of either. So I would assume that they're doing a pretty good job managing each other. That's good. Yeah, I know Dusty saw a lot of a, a porcupine last year. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Well, he, he thought it was something fun to play with. Oh, but it, it uh, looks fun. It's prickly. It looks like it, it looks very biteable. <laughs> yes, my dog's a bit of a dip. Um, it's okay. Mine went cool. after a deer last night after the deer was already out of the yard. <laughs> They just wanted to show off. Yep. Pixel, right? Yes, Pixel. Uh, Which also that deer, like when I started ye like yelling at the dog, like I saw one deer go across the yard as we were coming going out. And then I'm like, oh no, Pixel, there's a deer. And then like then in me yelling at the dog, like, oh no, startled a second deer. And <laughs> man, that deer flew across my lawn <laughs> to get away from us. Like yeah. that thing was like, and I looked at its tracks, like there was good, like six, seven foot gaps in the tracks from it just sprinting across <laughs> the lawn. That's funny. Uh all right. Well, uh, that feels like an episode to me. Yeah, that does. Yeah. So forestry, sustainability, logging, it's a real mixed bag. Um, yes. You know, obviously we're not we're not coming up with any real answers here, but, uh, you know, the point is to start a conversation. Mm -hmm. And if you would like to join that conversation, you can reach out uh, through email at brokenshovel802 at gmail. And uh, I'm on TikTok at Broken Shovel Farm. And as always, <clears throat> go to brokenshovel802.com to check out our brooms. Eric has nothing to do with those. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, all right. Well, and we'll be back next week. Bye. Later.